0: football after dark it's news day
1: big I'm news host, day big news day
0: i'm your host just B, joined by professional sports broadcaster and pff employee nate Kuiper it sounded like you said
1: professional broadcaster oh uh, well you know <laughs> your mic like your mic cut out at like the perfect time
0: <laughs> professional fuck broadcaster yep that's what it is yeah. yeah my apologies for the quality i'm on my phone today
1: but nah. We're making it happen. It'll be fine. Yeah, and Corey. Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. 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 I have finally made an appearance on the the new Fad Pod, Fad Pod 2.0. Yep. Uh, did you guys? I didn't. I didn't listen to the end of the episode. Did you guys go into what these episodes in the middle of the week are going to be like?
0: Yeah. Yeah this is this is all headlines. Okay. We're, uh, we're go through the news that's happened. All right, cool. Over this past week in football, we're going to talk about it, give, discuss and give you our hot takes on it. Talk
1: about the Monday night game and then look forward to the Thursday night game. We are not looking forward to the Thursday night game.
0: No, nobody's looking
2: forward to.
1: <laughs> oh man. Look right. forward to getting it over with.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to kick this sucker off. Um, we have finally had, kind of all been waiting for this to eventually happen, but NFL's finally had its first break out of COVID during the regular season, and it has hit the Tennessee Titans. So they've had eight total positive tests, three players, and five staff members. Plus one, one more today. Day. Yeah, plus one more today. So yeah, so now nine. Um, they have, they've shut down their training facility, and also so have the Vikings, because that's who they just played on Sunday. Um, and I guess they're gonna their game with the Steelers is gonna get postponed.
2: Right. Either right now it's either Monday or Tuesday. Yeah.
0: So for Minnesota, there's yeah. So Minnesota's, but they're they're assuming that they're gonna play now, right? Yeah, Minnesota
2: is playing. They're reopening the facility tomorrow with like super enforced restrictions, like, even more so than before. Um, They're opening back up tomorrow. So they'll have, like, at least one or two in-person practices, unlike the Titans, who will not be practicing in person at all this week in preps for the best defense in the league.
1: Yeah, they're not going to get – the Titans are at least not going to be able to – get on the field for practice until Saturday. And then the question is whether or not that game against the Steelers is going to be put to Monday night or what? sometime on Monday or on Tuesday. And a lot of people have been kind of pushing for Tuesday because that would give the Titans their normal three-day on-field practice schedule. Um, It still gives the Steelers way more time to prepare for them than they managed to get. Um, But at the end of the day, both of them are going to have to end up playing on a short week in week five. And I I don't know. I I think that to me, Tuesday made the most sense just to give Tennessee that extra time. Um, Obviously the, the great news out of this is that Minnesota as of today has had zero positive cases, So it seems to have just hit the Tennessee Titans, which I mean, you don't, it's not a good thing that it hit the Tennessee Titans, but it is a good thing that it seems to be very small and the Titans have controlled it. They've isolated the four players and five staff members from the team. They will not join the team the rest of the week and they'll continue to test over the course of their shutdown until Saturday, but. I mean I guess the the best news from it is that Minnesota has no positives, right
0: yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna keep steady upon it. I mean uh, we already know the entire season here except on Sunday, uh, NFL players tested. So that is so because of that though, they were able to get on top of this really fast and we're, we're now seeing in action how they respond to something like this. And overall so far at least it seems pretty positive like they're able to handle this, which
1: is great news. I there was a lot of contingency things that I saw where that were actually baked into the schedule that I did not know about. Um, so another thing, another possibility for this game was if the outbreak got really out of control for Tennessee, was to actually have Pittsburgh and Tennessee have their bye week this week, uh, week four, this upcoming week, week four, then to move the game um into the Steelers by week which would uh well no no, yeah yeah move it into the Steelers by week um when they would play the Titans now the Ravens are supposed to play the Titans that week but instead what would have happened is the Ravens would have just moved up a week in their bye week and basically like it would have just changed around those three teams as by weeks um, which I didn't even realize that that was a potential option, but I saw that on Twitter and I'm like, man, like, if someone factored that into this schedule, whoever made that schedule is a genius, because right. that is crazy.
0: Yeah. So that- they, they've got... They have plans for this stuff. It seems like they took it very, very seriously. And it's, yeah. I mean, them taking it seriously like this from the beginning is the only reason we have a season in the first place. Yeah. I think that's... Good to see that, like, they are very, very much on top of this. And yeah. hopefully we'll see the Titans and Steelers play this week. Hey, everyone. Just be here. So I wanted to add a little addendum to everything. So since uh, we recorded this episode, which is, like, the previous night before this went out, so you're, you're talking it's October 1st, this episode's going up. We recorded this on the 30th. Uh, the situation has gotten significantly worse. More players on the Titans have tested positive for COVID, and now... The Titans-Steelers game has been postponed. I wanted to go ahead and make this addendum because we sounded really positive on it, and it is uh, starting to look far from positive. I didn't want to keep that out there. It's not looking good now. I am very concerned. COVID is no joke, folks. Keep your loved ones safe. Wear a mask. Stay at home if you have to. God damn it. Yeah.
1: Um. Next, I guess, big like kind of headline that didn't have to do with anything with the games was uh, Earl Thomas brought in by the Houston Texans for a workout and the Texans did not sign him. Uh, I believe I saw a quote that
2: they didn't even work him out. They sent him home. They, they, They gave him the hotel room or wherever he was staying. And then he got there and they told him to go home. What the hell? why He's, there's not as far as players goes i don't think there's a lot of fans of earl thomas in the league it certainly doesn't seem that way and as far as what we've seen at the end of his tenure with the seahawks i wouldn't be surprised if there's not a lot of fans from coaching staff in front office of him either
0: yeah, that's I mean I guess that's that's probably a big possibility there because of the way he was talking about them. Probably gives you the distinct possibility that they just like they don't want to see the way he was acting in Seattle in their institution. But then why even like knowing that like why even offer the workout?
1: Just to just to say that oh well we tried, we wanted to bring him in here to fix our horrible defense.
2: I didn't try shit. Give him the Kaepernick treatment that he more or less more deserves. Not saying that Kaepernick deserved it at all, but saying that Earl might. I don't
1: know. <laughs> Based on his attitude that it seems he has around the league, you might be right. I'm still not sure if it's deserved
0: per se. I don't, I don't, know, I don't like that one bit.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly seems like Earl Thomas is not not going to be playing football this year at any point. I don't think so. Um,
2: if, uh, especially if you look at the rough start the Houston Texans have started out in, they kind of looked like they were almost getting on track in the Pittsburgh game, and then they blew that lead. The locker room might be kind of prone to... Toxicity right now, anyway. You probably don't want bring outside toxicity into it.
1: That second half for Houston was I mean, they got shut down. Like, whatever adjustments the Steelers defense made in the in the locker room, I think I think I saw the Texans had like two first downs. Uh Deshaun was sacked more times in the second half than the first half. They didn't score. Um it was just you know, for how well they were doing in the first half, it really got turned on them in the second half. And an 0-3 team about to go up against another 0-3 team in the Vikings who barely lost their game against the Titans. Things, things might unravel very quickly in Houston. So I, I get your point. Poor Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Poor, poor, poor Deshaun Watson, man. Um, so what does any, do either of you have anything to say about this Thursday night game that we're getting between the Denver Broncos and Brett? How do you say his last name? Rypeen? Rypine. Rypian. Rypian. versus, uh, <laughs> versus the New York Jets. D- do either of you have, uh, something to, to add to this game?
2: No. It's going to suck.
0: <laughs> that's, I mean, like, I don't know what else. <laughs> it's going to be I mean, one of the worst Thursday night games this year, probably. No, but you no. know
2: what? Both but, teams are so bad that it might be pretty good. That's what I was going to say. It's not like we have, like, a JV team, freshman team going up against, like, all-state team. We have two eighth-grade teams <laughs> playing against each other. So it, it could be decent and it's they're but,
1: like, those so bad it's good games and he, and here's the other thing these two teams are so insanely injured
2: oh it's their injury report is like almost a whole page long
1: yeah like it's wild how injured these two teams they're right up there with san francisco as the I two most it, injured teams the, i guess I at this it, point we're just on adam Gase getting fired watch basically Yeah. It basically comes down to, okay, how long until Adam Gase is fired? And then, I mean, the real talk from that point is going to become, okay, now, if the Jets end up with, you know, the number one overall pick, what do you, okay, well, I'll just ask you guys. If the Jets end up with a number one overall pick, what are you doing with it? Are you drafting Trevor Lawrence and trading Sam Darnold? are you trading back with a team and just getting a uh, uh, God knows what they could get for that first round pick for whoever ends up wanting Trevor Lawrence.
0: That, that's kind of where I'm leaning. Yeah. Like you could, you could get so much, especially as a, as a new oncoming coach into a football team, you have to be salivating at getting that many first round pick. Like you'll probably get like that many picks you'll get for you. you'll get, you'll guarantee get their first round probably like, a second, probably like at least their second. If they have multiple picks, they'll take them. Like, this well, is going to be, the, if you're a new head coach, you want that. My, you want to put as much of your ta- the talent you want as possible into that football team.
1: Well, here's my, here's my thing. Say, the, the counter argument to that is, okay, mm-hmm. say you're going to get, you know, maybe a second and a fourth round pick for Sam Darnold. And then still have the number one overall pick and take Trevor Lawrence. Would you not salivate at that as well? Because I think True. that it's. It, it, but neither. I don't think either of them is like distinctly better than the other. But it really kind of comes down to: okay, is Trevor Lawrence's development just shot? That's pretty much what it comes down to. Me, Sam Darnold. Sam yeah. Darnold. That's what I meant to say. Yeah.
0: Who knows? The thing is, it's super hard to tell. The only, re- the only way you'll know is in an environment without Adam Gase, I guess, with a better head coach.
1: Yeah, I, so the, I agree. So
0: the, the other answer is just to do neither. Draft Trevor Lawrence anyway. You <laughs> <He> would <laughs> yeah. do it, Sam Darnold. Yeah, that's fair. For a year, and then go from there. But I don't know. Either way, I, I almost guarantee you that Adam Gase is not the head coach of the Jets by the time the year's out. It'll be interesting to see what they do. They're, they're a team we're, in a very weird situation, and they're shit. Yeah.
1: we're Man, I'll <laughs> tell you, through through this little thing that we wrote out, man, we, we're segueing perfectly because the next thing that I was going to bring up was another head coach that, let me check my, it is 8. is a time capsule right here. We are 8.34 p.m. Uh, September 30th, 2020, and Dan Quinn has not been fired yet.
0: Yeah, the Falcons are working on new kickers right now, and they should be working on a new head coach. Right?
1: <laughs> how can mm-hmm. we can, can we be honest with ourselves? Like, this has to be in the Falcons' head, right? Oh yeah. Like, how There's can that more. how can that not be in your head as a player? No, it has to be. You have to be expecting, like,
0: and like you are waiting, like, any day now to have, just have an interim head coach, because like, especially like. If especially the Falcons lose coming up here, that's, like, it. There's no way.
1: Oh, my God. And they play Green Bay? Oh. Yeah, like, you're going to lose. Oh, God. You have to go out there, and your offense
2: has to be thinking, well, Matt Ryan has to be perfect. He has to convert every pass. He has to have a 100% completion rating. (laughs) He has to have no interceptions. He has to, you know, throw five yards at completion. Todd Gurley and the running back committee there is asked to be like, all right, we have to get four yards of carry, every carry, no more, or no less. Like, the offense is pretty much thinking, we have to play absolutely perfect.
1: Yeah. and
0: than- else they can't sustain themselves. And then when they get ahead, and just like, I don't know, they just don't use their running backs properly to eat clock. It, it, it's so pitiful that like, like especially since, like as high powered of an offense as Green Bay has this season. Like I don't know how you I don't know how you do it as a Falcons. I don't know how you do it at all.
1: I'm actually uh I was gonna do I'm actually curious. I wanna see how how bad the Falcons offense has been primarily in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So well that's I, where
0: it's important because they're great in the first half.
1: Yeah, they're great in the first half. Okay. So, if we isolate just the fourth quarter and let's get rid of let's just let's just talk about let's just let's just get this. Okay. So, honestly, all right, so I'm looking at it right here. So, offensive, all right, so run success rates, pass success. Honestly, they're not terrible. Um they're 13th in the NFL in the fourth quarter. Um as far as like offensive success rates go, yeah. But if we go to let's see if we go to the okay. So if we go to the third quarter, they're twenty eighth.
0: Interesting. So they fall apart in the third quarter more often than not.
1: Right. So basically, let's let's check their first. Let's check their first half. Okay. So in the first half, all right. So in the second quarter, they're twenty fourth. So it seems like it. it Yeah. Okay. So in the first three quarters, they're actually worse than they are in the fourth quarter. So basically to me, what that means is if I had to like, what does that mean for the team? I think what that means is they're getting a lot of lucky scores. Like they're getting a lot of deep shots to Calvin Ridley and to Julio Jones. They're not like, they're not methodically working their way down the field. They're either punting or they're scoring big plays and getting touchdowns, right? And as cool as that is, that's just not a sustainable way to have an offense. So what seems to be happening is they get these lucky plays over the course of like the first couple quarters. And then they stop getting the lucky plays. And their defense is so bad that it basically just rubber bands... And oh, oh man, Matt Ryan isn't completing these thirty yard bombs to Calvin Ridley, you know, Todd Gurley's not ripping off a random twelve yard run, and it ultimately ends up coming back to 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 bite them is what it seems like to me, and then in the fourth quarter by that point, you're they I think they're just mentally checked out by that point, <laughs> well, yeah you <they> <laughs> team catching up to you like that like what are you gonna do? Yeah, it just seems like it's just too much um. Yeah, I, I that man. I really didn't think that they were going to melt down again. Like, in our group chat with all of our friends, I was just blowing it up. I'm like, no way. Like, there's no way <laughs> that they're going to do this again, right? And, like, and, uh, and then they, they did it.
0: How often does this happen at all? Let it get in a row, you know? It's like, never happened.
1: It's literally right. never happened
0: before. God. Like, yeah, so they're they're 100% going to lose to the Packers on Sunday. And, and, and speaking of the Packers. Yeah. We have seven undefeated teams left in the NFL right now. We do. So we have the Packers, we just talked about. Bills, Bears, Steelers, Chiefs, Seahawks, and Titans. Who gets knocked down first?
1: Okay, well, one of them has to go down, right? Because the Steelers are playing the Titans. Right. Um, I don't think the Bills lose to the Raiders. No. Um, the Bears play Indy. Which is an interesting matchup because, believe it or not, th- here's the thing that's not being talked about right now. And I won't go too off on a tangent about this. Indy's defense is, like, really good. <laughs> like, really good. Like, they rank very, very high in a lot of the uh, of like the big things in defense. Like, Pro Football Focus as overall defense has them ranked, like, 70. Uh, they're, they're second overall. Uh, defensively uh, in the NFL. Now, let's remind everybody that they've played the Jaguars week one. They played uh, the Jets last week. And then who was their other game? That What was the other game that they played? Um, Who did they play? They played Minnesota, whose offense just looked atrocious that game. So, Indy's defense has been pretty good. But I, I think the Bears can win that game. The Packers are going to win. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think the Seahawks are going to win. So I think the first one that's going to get knocked out is the loser of that Pittsburgh Titan game. Yeah, and unfortunately,
0: I do have a peg that, like, I'm pretty sure the Titans are going to lose. And probably not any fault of theirs, but they're not going to have probably have much practice. Yeah. And I think no. it's going to hurt them a lot They're preparing for one of the most physical and like savage defenses in the NFL.
1: Man, there, there are so many charts and things that I've been seeing that are just like, like the, the Steelers don't rank very high in like defensive EPA, but like their pressure rates. I literally saw a statistic from next gen stats. That was like Pittsburgh has, ha- has registered a at least a pressure on almost fifty percent of the opposing quarterbacks' dropbacks. Fifty mm-hmm. percent—that's insane. That is that is mind-numbing, mind-numbingly they, insane.
0: How do you get away with that?
1: You well, they blitz a lot, which makes right. me, which Play makes me—it was a lot
0: for the last few yeah, years. So.
1: It makes me nervous because our DBs aren't playing particularly well. Um. But I don't know. I I definitely think that Steeler Titan game because I think all of the, I think the other five teams could ease. I think are I think they're all going to win. I think all five of those teams have matchups that I I think they'll win. Um, do you have one that you disagree with, Corey?
2: I was gonna look at it this way: we got seven teams here, so that means there's one imposter. God. <laughs> It's, uh, the Bears, it's,
0: the Bears, it's the Bears, it's the Bears, it's the Bears, it's the Bears,
1: it's the Bears. Oh, are we talking about, like, a team that is undefeated that's not actually as good? Right. It's oh, it's it's the Bears, 100%. It's the Bears. Right. <laughs> oh, no, it is. I'm, 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 I agree with you. I just think the Bears will win against Indy. But compared to these other teams, oh, yeah, they're easily the worst out of the, the teams with one, uh, out of the teams like, with no losses.
0: By a good margin, too. Uh, actually, like the bears are not that great.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't. We'll see now. Well, since we're talking about the bears, who who wants to who wants to to usher in um, the second? Or I guess this is the second coming. This is like the sixth coming. Man, of, I'm on of my Nick phone, Foles.
0: so I can't hit this with Mega Reeb for. But Big Dick Nick is back, and he's ready to swing around. He's ready to swing that hog.
1: Did he? Okay, let's be honest with ourselves. Uh huh. Was what happened to Chicago a Nick Foles being inserted and just doing whatever the hell it is that Nick Foles does, or is it just the Falcons being the Falcons? I think it was, I think it was a perfect blend of both. It, I was. It's probably a blend of both,
0: but where yeah, Nick Foles. Is- probably the best backup quarterback in, like, NFL history. And it's just, like, like, it's so, like, good at just coming in and, like, managing a game to success. And he gets his, he gets his big dick deep shots, too. Like his, like, his one throw was a jag
2: before they ruined it and put him back in. So, another thing is that everybody's saying they think Gardner Minshew is the next... Brian Fitzpatrick and just like that journeyman that's going to be in the league forever and like, just he's a, that just football smart guy. Mm-hmm. It's already Nick Foles. Yeah, that's what I was. I was that's where
0: I equate him to.
2: He's like, going to be all you know, the teams he's been on. He's just already. He's just. He's always good enough to play. Right. He's always good enough yeah, to play, I, but then the team is always
0: gonna try to find somebody better. And he's gonna sit on the bench. And then that something's gonna go wrong, and he's gonna come out and he's gonna win games. Yeah, you know but what? I, I never really thought of fan. it that way. No, I never thought about that. It kind of is he's Nick
1: Foles.
0: Like just out of the he's like just outside of like oh, he's like brushing up against the bubble of the franchise guy quarterback. No. And that's exactly where Nick Foles
1: is. That's Nobody fair. is closer. That's fair. I agree with that. I can I can see that. Um Look, how, I mean, maybe
0: the bears turned Nick Foles
1: into the, the franchise guy he's always been. God no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know about that. Hey man, Super Bowl winner. Nick Foles. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move on from there.
2: How about how about this? If Carson's struggles continue where he's trying to do this hero ball stuff, does the door open back up in Philly for Nick Foles? Because I know the fan base there would love it to have Nick Foles
1: back in the building. Oh, they would for sure. Well, as, didn't, they, uh, didn't they draft a kid? Jalen Hurts. Yeah. They're going to trial Jalen Hurts first. Uh, just, just as a quick aside, uh, Carson Wentz is still the 31st ranked quarterback among starters in the (laughs) NFL. Um, The only person he is above is Dwayne Haskins. So uh, that was, that was another thing that was on this list. Uh, the the Corey worded it as the Doug Peterson surrender. (laughs) What did you guys think about that?
2: That was so, I, I don't know. I don't know why you don't, on third and long fourth and long I don't know why you don't just throw up a prayer like what's the worst that's gonna happen there's like
0: no time left in the clock just like it was incredible to watch my job is on the fucking floor watching them do that like they literally just threw the white flag like if Carson Wentz is supposed to be this like like quarterback with like this super great arm talent why can't you trot him out and have him take a shot Why can't you? I don't like this. Is this is exactly what did news like this is is what didn't lead Philly to the Super Bowl?
2: I I'm I'm not trying to be hyperbolic or anything, but that was the worst football I've ever seen. That final thirty seconds, it was horrible. There was just no competitive spirit. There was no energy. There was nothing. It was just all right. We're we're. I would just rather not lose. So, yeah, I
1: just rather just not take a loss to the Bengals. Do you, do you want to know what my my mind went to? Was do you know how all of these top 100 lists come out and PFF comes out with their quarterback rankings and Carson Wentz was always ranked lower than a lot of other guys and people would be really surprised. Yeah. And like wow, how why is Carson Wentz so low? And the only thing I can think these first three weeks was like, man, like this is like some there was something in between the lines that we weren't seeing with Carson Wentz. I think it's his body.
0: I'm I'm being honest, like this dude has suffered way too much injury in like the few years he's been in the NFL. He literally might be wearing down already.
1: He has not been the same since his the, the, the injury that really screwed him up was his back injury. And, even then, he,
0: like, Herculean carried the entire fucking team on his back last year and led them to the playoffs. Yeah. Like, even that isn't happening right now. That that kind of effort that he usually puts in is not happening right now. Right. I, I really think that like the, the previous injury might have been the straw that broke the Campbell's back. Mm-hmm. Like the one he suffered in the playoffs. And like now, like he he might be just fucking broken.
2: It's really possible. I, the other thing that comes to my mind is Going back to Nick Foles, Nick Foles was there, and the team could not get like enough of Nick Foles coming in and being such a great leader or anything. It's like they didn't have that leader to begin with. If Carson wins, well, they, they never, always like it's just that always stuck with me. Like that, the reports yeah. came in that Carson's not that great of a leader. He's not that like big locker room presence, you know. He, that's kind of what you need in a quarterback, like. He came back and he had that big rushing touchdown that tied the game up. But the team just still didn't get behind him and rally behind that because he's not that leader that you need at a quarterback.
1: No, I I definitely agree with that. Um, it certainly seems like whatever, like I said, whatever it was, in, in Philadelphia that, like you said, that, that leaked out that was like, oh, man, like, people aren't super a fan of, you know, <laughs> aren't a real big fan of Carson Wentz. And people are like, well, how could you not be a fan of Carson Wentz? Like, he's, he's great, and he's this, and he's that. And, man. The people like, that are,
2: like, dealing with him and his personality, like, I'm not saying that he has anything wrong with his personality, but I'm just yeah. saying he might not just... He might just be like a quiet, reserved guy and not that much of a leader. Yeah. And, like, that's what was coming out from uh, Devin Hester the other day talking about Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler, was he said he was the smartest, most talented, most accurate quarterback that he's ever seen. But he just sucked, absolutely sucked as a leader. And look how far that got Jay Cutler. Yeah.
1: the you know, you know, seasons. No, I I definitely definitely agree with that.
0: Yeah, it could be the same scenario we're looking at here. it's just amazing to see, honestly. And it really feels like Philly's already throwing the towel in for this season.
1: I don't know if I don't even know if like throwing in the towel is like the best word for it because like that division is so bad that Philly could easily Still win it.
0: Still win.
1: Yeah. You start off. Yeah. Um, Real quick, before we move on to one thing, I did want to add, since we are talking about that Cincinnati Philly game. Um, I don't want to alarm anybody, but Joe, what Joe Burrow is doing right now with what he has to deal with is so insane. So I'm gonna give you the. I'm gonna give you some quarterbacks that Joe Burrow is currently ranked higher than by PFF. Are you ready for this? Yeah, hit me. Now, now, mind you, he's got. Let's let's see. Let's just let's just give the the people an idea of like. Okay, so run blocking offensive line, the Bengals are 23rd. Uh, pass blocking offensive line, which is a little more important, they are 26th. Uh, their running game is ranked 30th. Their defense overall is ranked, eh, it's not ranked too bad, it's ranked 11th, but a lot of their, you know, more important numbers, like their pass rush, is, like, mediocre, their run defense is mediocre, mostly their grade is pushed up by their coverage r- grade, which is in the 70s, which, okay. I mean, the re- only reason why that grade is in the 70s is because people aren't throwing against them, they're running against them. Um, here is the list of quarterbacks who Joe Burrow is currently ranked higher than, You're right? Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton, Ben Roethlisberger, Ryan Tannehill, Kyler Murray, uh, everyone that's taken a snap for the Chargers, Matt Stafford, Baker Mayfield, and Drew Brees. That's crazy because if you think about it,
2: Ryan Tannehill and Cam Newton have been playing really good football.
1: Yeah, and Joe Burrow is ranked higher than them.
0: Well, because despite the Bengals losing games, he has performed, like, exceptionally. And, like, it's amazing to see this. it's also, at the same time, a little worrisome because you get, like, heavy Andrew Luck flashbacks. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you do. You're getting heavy, yeah.
0: And that's what's, like, really concerning is, like, do the Bengals man up enough and, like, actually get their shit together and get a good team behind him? Or does he get his back and kill himself
2: over it? I think they already have a good structure around them. They have weapons. They have a defense that's up and coming they spent money this year. They just need to get that line and that offensive line in order. Yeah.
0: They they need to bust a ton of money in picks and get that offensive line straight. The
1: big, the big add on the big mock draft pick for the Cincinnati Bengals is going to be that one tackle out of Oregon. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'll, I'll get better at it when the time comes around, but he's supposedly like the highest rated tackle prospect in like years. And, um, a lot of people think that that's going to be the mock pick for Cincinnati, and then you gotta you gotta fix your O line. Uh, I think it's time to move off of AJ Green.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, like T. Higgins had a great game the other day. Yeah, like uh, you have the weapons there. You don't really need him anymore. Like, put him out for more draft capital. So much by himself for your organization, but he's just at, you've seen greener pastures.
1: He can't separate anymore man. Like he can't separate away from defenders. And if you want like that big bodied big play guy like you just said T Higgins has been that recently and he's been okay. Yeah and he's that's
2: what he said he like he came in he modeled his career after to AJ Green which mm-hmm. I mean like at least you get that year with him to kind of like boost him up, but Tyler boards a great possession guy. T. Higgins could be that next guy, and then you still have um, I can't think of his name. The other kid from you... Auden yeah.
1: Aud Tate.
2: Auden Tate, yeah, and he's he had he's had some flashes.
1: I think, yeah, yeah. no, I agree. As long as as long as uh, I, I guess the big question here is, you know kind of what Justin said was do they is this the next Andrew Luck where yeah. this is he just doesn't he never gets what he needs around him um and it ends up ruining him but hopefully as much as it pains me that it's the it's the Bengals like Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow's good like Joe Burrow's yeah. really good and it it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a real uh a real shame
0: if the Bengals get their shit together, they've got they've got like, a great foundation I, I think, on their hands.
2: I think they're trying to because this is the first off season we've seen them spend money to bring people in, like DJ Reader and Von Bell, just trying to get that defense put something on the other side of the ball because they knew they were getting Joe Burrow. Like they just they said we can't let the same thing happen to Andrew Luck happen with us. We have right. to actually go out there. We have to spend money we have to bring pieces in we can't just hopefully land on guys in the draft
1: yeah no good. absolutely uh I guess we'll, we'll we'll move to this and I'm I mean I think it's only fitting that we let the Saints fan talk about it because you included it near the bottom uh what to expect from the Saints moving forward I mean how, how do you what was your take after listening to everybody rip on Drew Brees after Monday Night Football against the Raiders, and then you take the field on Sunday against Aaron Rodgers? Like, what what do you think needs to happen for the Saints' Is there a problem same. at all, or is it just an overreaction?
2: It's still the same thing. Or we just keep shooting each other ourselves in the foot by committing all these penalties, ruining drives, like giving them. We had two penalties on the same drive with the touchdown, to, or not the touchdown, but you had the offsides with Demario David, which, you know, every single time Aaron Rodgers is going to take full advantage of that. And then you had uh, Jack Rabbit down the field with the pass interference on Lazard. Like, you can't do that. Like, you can't just give them goal line decisions because no matter what, that's pretty much an automatic Three points and good teams are going to be able to take advantage of that. You yeah. can't keep, keep committing penalties like that. I don't know. I I bring it up all the time. Like penalties is coaching. Like your team's not coached to. It's stop a getting penalties, and Sean Payton just has to figure out how to fix it.
0: Yeah, but it's a big problem that the Saints have had, and like part of what's We're, kind of kept them out of the Super Bowl bubble for so long. Is like they are, they are an incredibly talented, incredibly undisciplined team,
1: they, and I think they're similar in that sense where they just they play, yeah, like Corey, like it, it just seems like these self-inflicted, you know, wounds where you know everyone keeps talking about Drew Brees's you know average depth of target and how he can't throw deep anymore.
2: It hasn't but, changed from the past three right. years. They yeah, sh- nothing
1: yeah. changes. They showed it. They showed. I think they showed the 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 numbers were like his average depth of target has been basically this the last four years. Right. Like this is their offense. But when you're putting that offense, the way they run that offense, in a position where you're having to convert third down and eight instead of third down and three. Right. Obviously, yeah, it's not going to work. You
2: don't have Michael Thomas out there who's an automatic four to six yards. Right, and, then, and
0: that's a big, and that's a big blow to them too. Um, but I'm not going to say I didn't expect this. I actually expected the Saints to drop zero and three the first three weeks of the season. Um, it always seems like the Saints take a little bit to get going every season. So, I mean, I'm, as far as that's concerned, I am going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they'll
1: they'll very handily take out the Lions this upcoming weekend. And here's the other thing about the Saints' offense too. Is we have to realize that this is a extremely complex offense. Yeah, and Emmanuel Sanders got there and then didn't get an off season. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were like pointing fingers at Emmanuel Sanders, like, "Hey, Michael Thomas is out. Like this is supposed to be like you're supposed to be carrying this offense." And I'm sitting there wondering, like, like Emmanuel Sanders just got there. Yeah, yeah. Like, like this is one of the most complicated offenses in the league. And he didn't get an off-season to run with it. So how are you expecting him to just walk yes. right in and catch 12 balls? It's just not feasible. I mean, no. It's not feasible. going
2: to take, take a few I weeks. A to all of this, I am so giddy getting to watch the Alvin Kamara show every week. Dude. Oh. So fun to watch. Like, I can't, like, I'm so glad we signed him for five years because that's like at least three years of prime Kamara that we just get to see just, Oh my God. Like that, the 52 yard touchdown run literally gave me butterflies in my stomach.
1: That is, that is the one thing that I was going to say about that whole play and how great the Packers have looked. My God, the tackling (laughs) on (laughs) that play was (laughs)
0: atrocious first i don't know what it is but tackling has been a
1: problem with the packers for like 10 years you are i really don't get it uh you're current believe it or not you're currently ranked uh the packers are ranked 21st in the nfl uh in tackling right so we've hovered
0: around that range i'm pretty sure every year for a very long time now and like i don't understand like the packers are really good at like they they're really really good at like like shutting down shutting shit down down the field they're fucking great at they're great at managing the line of scrimmage and shit on, as a defense but like for some reason they always let these big plays bust out because they just fail to tackle yeah like did they miss they just miss flat out and sometimes it takes like four or five guys just to take one dude <laughs> the, down the, the one went like, the one when,
1: the
0: one NFL just players the
1: one when Kamara was airborne and the Dude. one Packer player walked, like, it literally looked like the one Packer player just kind of walked up to him and just went, uh. Because yeah. Kamara didn't move. He just, like, just continued to move forwards in the air and then landed and then kept running. Yeah. Which was just, well, oh, that was nutty. My,
0: my big problem, the Packers have been for a while now, and I think it's, like, kind of extenuated under Matt LeFleur, is that the Packers are an incredibly finesse team. Um, they're not very physical. And mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe part of the point of their draft was to try to make the team a little more physical. But, I mean, I haven't seen it yet. They're still an incredibly finesse-based team. And, like, it's working out for them. That, that makes for a great offense. It doesn't make for the best defense. Yeah, And that's obviously still my concern about them going forward. But, you know, the 49ers are crippled right now. Maybe they
2: stay that way.
1: We'll <laughs> get beat by the Mullins. God, the 49ers are pretty crippled, aren't they? Um,
2: I think... By Nick Mullins. I think that with that, those offensive or defensive line injuries, I think they're
0: lucky if they get the 500 season. Yeah, yeah. That's that just that's just like so super unfortunate for them. Speaking about the Packers, there's one thing I want to kind of discuss with you guys regarding regarding their season so far and everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the one big thing that we always had a knock on for the Packers last year. Is their inability to adjust and continue their push into the second half of games? Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of Packers games were won in the first half, and then just kind of played maintain in the second. Mm-hmm. And what I want to ask you guys is, what do you uh, do? You th- what's changed? Do you think? I know there's this whole thing going around about Aaron Rodgers, like kind of finding like a new lease on life. He seems like a much more excitable, better quarterback for the entire team as a whole. And how much of it is Matt LaFleur, who now in his second year of coaching, maybe has gotten a little better at uh at kind of making these kind of adjustments in the second half?
2: I I think we touched on this last episode, and I'm going to go back to it. I just think it's Aaron Rodgers getting the Brett Favre treatment with them. Them drafting his heir apparent and just like kind of lighting a fire under his ass. Like, I don't know. That's the only thing that, like, really sticks out to me.
1: Um, Just from a statistical standpoint, um, the Packers are much better just from a success rate standpoint than they were last year when it comes to the second half. So this year... In the second half, they're actually the fifth most efficient offense in the NFL in the second half, which is pretty crazy when you really think about it. Uh, But if you go back to last year uh, in the second half, I believe they were. Let me pull this up. They were 15th. So you go from like middle of the pack. You're kind of okay. You know, you're bleeding out these leads slowly to now you're. Top five in the NFL where you're just putting your, you know, putting your foot on the gas and not letting up. And, you know, I mean, they've thrown the ball. Let's see here. They've they've even they've actually thrown the ball in this with how these leads, how how big of a lead they've had in a lot of these games. They're still throwing the ball quite a bit in the second half, despite the fact that they're leading the majority of these games. And I think that that's just, I don't know, maybe it took Matt LaFleur a full season to kind of think, okay, you know, we have to let Aaron, we can't just go out in this first half and have this great, like, 25-play, schemed-up, plan-ready and then not adjust in the second half. Like, the NFL is is a sport of adjustments. We know that. And I guess I think it maybe just took Matt LaFleur... A season to really, you know, get going. Maybe we, I don't know. Like, I guess people just wrote off Matt LaFleur after one year because, like, oh man, you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. This should be easy. Well, no, it's not easy. Like, trying to redo an entire offense. So,
2: yeah. I don't know. It's it's crazy because it's like, look at it from Aaron Rodgers' perspective. Like, you got Mm -hmm. so close last year. they, They. go in to the draft and they don't get him any weapons. They don't they barely retool the defense. Mm-hmm. And they get his heir apparent and Aaron Rodgers comes in like, hey, you wanna set me up to fail? It looks like I'm not gonna do it. And we know how like just personality wise, how petty Aaron Rodgers is. We know he has talent to just be able to do whatever he once on the football field put the ball wherever he wants and it's just kind of like what that switch in his head like
1: mm-hmm. you
2: know you if you want me to fail i'm not going to right and we, like it came out last year in practices that they said they squashed but like they said that Aaron Rodgers wasn't really getting along with Lafer, La, Lafleur last year. Now it just seems they're like, you know, they work together. They're amicable, but they are mm-hmm. just like Aaron Rodgers is just doing what he can to like just prove that he can win without them.
0: Uh, I don't. It, it seems like uh, from everything that he's saying, at least that the relationship between them is vastly improved.
2: Mm-hmm. So I, he, I don't know if he's going to come out and say that I have a bad relationship with my coach. No, he's no, not gonna say that. I don't agree with my coach. I don't think you understand what I'm
0: saying. It's not that. It's not that I that, that he's like ever gonna say that. But I mean, it was pretty clear, right? So, like, Aaron Rodgers has been a lot more vocal with the press this season, a lot more vocal, and uh, a lot of that has to do with like his change in attitude. I don't think that is primarily because of just because like Jordan Love got drafted. I don't think it has like, there's got to be more to it than that because he's not playing like angry. He seems much happier. Yeah. And uh, th- there's got to be more to it than that. I think that's just like kind of like a weird baseline to go off of as far as that's concerned.
2: Yeah. Um...
0: But it could be, could be totally wrong about it.
2: It was, with- it's not just that Jordan Love was drafted. It's every single move they made after that just didn't like we talked about it. It didn't move the needle in what we expected them to do what we expected them to improve on. Mm-hmm. It just you know, it's just every single action they made just like seems to be thinking about the future instead of about right now
1: getting what the getting the most you can out of Aaron Rodgers. Right. Yeah, no that I I agree. Um so two more things that we were going to touch on the both of them I I really really want to talk about. I have a lot I want to say. Uh so I'll let you guys go first. Thoughts on the Monday Night Football game between the Chiefs and the Ravens. Just general thoughts. Well,
0: I think Mar Jackson said it himself. <laughs> Chiefs are their kryptonite. <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah. Uh, not exactly sure what it is, but Chiefs have their number.
1: Living, the, they're living the rent free. Tortured,
0: tortured everybody else in the NFL except them. Mm-hmm. It's super strange to me, and it's really fascinating to see that like this is
1: turning into like a one-sided afc rivalry well a lot of people are pointing to you know when peyton and brady's rivalry kind of started it was mostly dominated by brady early it wasn't until like much later in his career did manning like kind of start to get back at brady so um cory what what did you think
2: i got two thoughts the one is that Baltimore offenses look terrible. Like, they couldn't do anything unless Lamar was running the ball, and you can't, especially against the Chiefs, you can't really win too many football games like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to have people, like, Mark Andrews didn't show up. You at least have that in most other games where he's catching, you know, six, eight passes a game and moving the sticks. Marquise Brown wasn't there. You see in his other games, you get at least a couple big shots down the field. I don't know. And the other thing, it's not really too much about the game more about the rivalry. It's funny to me that Patrick Mahomes and his wife announced that they were pregnant the day after Patrick Mahomes proved that he's Lamar Jackson's daddy.
1: (laughs) God damn it. Wow. I did see the pictures of... Of the the Photoshop picture of Lamar on the sonogram of the baby, that was pretty it's true. That was pretty mean. That was pretty mean. It's true though. Um, what I'll say, Corey touched on it a little bit. Uh, if we want to focus, if I'm going to break this up in two halves, Chiefs offense, Ravens defense. I'll make this real brief. The Ravens defense is not built to beat this team. Like, if your defense is predicated on blitzing and that's the way you generate pressure, blitzing Patrick Mahomes at this point has been proven, okay, you don't do that. Like, you just, you just don't do that. It is a horrible, 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 absolutely horrible, horrible idea, right? So then what happens is, okay... They're killing us with screen passes. They're killing us with quick game. Pat's running the ball himself, whatever it is. So then you stop blitzing. Well, now all of a sudden you can't generate any pressure at all. And now Pat just has all day to sit back there and throw it. And the one play that Ryan Clark, Ryan Clark did a really good job on ESPN breaking this down where he talked about the the Chiefs abusing Marcus Peters's tendencies on that big play to Meikle Hardman, where they knew if they ran a crossing route in front of uh, Marcus Peters, even though he was supposed to be covering the deep third of the field where Meikle Hardman was running through, he would vacate that zone if he saw the crossing route because he wants to jump the route, right? So all they did was just abuse what they knew and you know miko hardman ends up being wide open it's just it's just that type of stuff is the only thing that you can that play is a perfect example of why andy reid is so good but at the same time the only way that play as it was drawn up works is if you have a quarterback who can drop back 9 steps to the opposite hash and throw the ball 57 air yards and complete a pass right so, the only and then if we flip it around, I'm glad Corey brought that up. Mark Andrews, that might be Mark. An- I think actually I looked it up earlier. That I think that was Mark Andrews' like second worst game ever. Just the drop. He I think didn't he even drop a touchdown? Yep. Well, he dropped the touchdown on the first drive, and like I mean, that could have completely changed the game. The the decision to kick the field goal at the beginning of the game rather than going for it. Like Corey wrote in our group chat, he's like, you know, you have to get lucky to beat them. And you have to hope that they screw up. And the problem for the Baltimore Ravens is the Chiefs were screwing up in that third quarter. Like, think about what happened in this in like the three successive drives where the Chiefs missed a field goal, fumbled and went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. That's three back-to-back-to-back turnovers, technically, that the Ravens got. And they only got 10 points out of it. Yeah. Like, I know it sounds crazy like, oh, they only got 10 points. But, like, you are not going to... If they if they go through a stretch like that where they are turning the ball over and not scoring, if you only get 10 points out of that, even... Yeah. E- even if you would have even if you would have gotten the touchdown earlier right instead of 3 points you get 4 and now all of a sudden instead of a 20 to 24 game it's 24-24 entering the fourth quarter and now it's an entirely different game because now all of a sudden Lamar you you Lamar's not in that hole anymore and you can run your offense the way you would normally run it you know and instead yeah. of folding your play sheet in half like I think the opportunities were there for Baltimore, and and you know Justin kind of mentioned it. Like I think it's I think it's in their head. Like I think they could not capitalize on those opportunities because I just I just think that they they got so desperate. Like they just got tight, and now all of a sudden you're Baltimore and you're zero and three against Kansas City. Who knows if they're even going to lose a game this year. And. I'm going to be honest. If you look up like their offensive statistics this year. They're not doing as good as last year. They're not. They're not blowing people out of the water because of their offense. It was their defense. The first two weeks. That was giving them extra opportunities with a lot of turnovers and a lot of stops. That was winning them the games. So. Baltimore's got to figure something out because, and they're going to win a lot of games because Lamar Jackson's really good. But when it comes to that matchup against the Chiefs, it is—I said it earlier—they're leaving. They're living rent-free in yeah. in in the Baltimore Ravens' heads. If so, that's a
0: championship preview match, the Chiefs have an easy Super Bowl ahead of them.
1: I was going to say, I'm I'm of the opinion that that's not going to be the AFC Championship game. It probably won't be just because of seeding. Um, last Sorry, thing. A lot of faith in Justin Herbert, don't you? Nope. No, that's not it. <laughs> uh, last thing. <laughs> last thing. Last thing that uh, Corey has on this sheet here that we're going to talk about today. This was nice, like a nice little like one-hour episode. Um. Um. You wrote this, so I'm going to let you talk about it first because I have a lot to say about this too. <laughs> the sustainability of Josh Allen.
2: Well, what's a fad pot episode where he doesn't get some Josh Allen slander in?
1: Okay, just to
2: make, just to make angry happy. Oh, um, he. They should be two and one. First of all, <laughs> but the the pass interference at the end of the game was just refs trying to correct the Saints. NFC playoff game. Like that's all that was. It was like, we gotta we gotta get back at the Rams somehow. We gotta, you know, correct the course, and so they threw that flag there.
1: But don't you also think that that game should have never been close? That the Rams kinda got a little lucky to be in that game in the first place because of that really bad call on the interception that Josh threw? Because that was a bad call, too. Right. Uh, It's...
2: It sucks that we live in a world where refs are basically deciding the outcomes of these games, but that's how we have to deal with watching football now. Like, that's just the power that the refs have in major decisions like that. It's just not always decided by who has the better team. It's what the refs see and don't see. Well, you, you, uh, go ahead. But yeah, uh back to the main point of Josh Allen. Josh Allen is playing pretty good football. Like I'm not gonna argue that. He's playing he's definitely taken a step up this year. He's still the outside of the interception, there's still some questionable, you know, decision making like we talked about From the first two weeks, he's there was when I can't think of Josh Allen, and I'm sure people have other thoughts that come into their head when they think of Josh Allen, like him hurdling people or you know, running or throwing the big pass down the field. The first thing that comes to my mind is two plays the one in the playoffs last year where he tried to ladle the ball backwards. Which I mean it might not be fair because that was last year, I'm sure he's grown (laughs) some. But then against the Jets where he's just running and he literally just hands the ball to the Jets player. Those are the first two plays that come to my mind. And it's hard I mean, like to counteract that, he's playing really good football, but it's gonna be hard to win games when you're quarterbacks making those kinds of decisions you know what i'm saying like no I, I i get it so far josh allen's been one of the only reasons this team has been winning the fact that he's been able to put up ridiculous touchdowns every game and like the other teams are going to need or the other players on the team they going to need to step up and like start producing if They want to continue seeing Josh Allen win like this.
1: Anything you want to say, Justin, before I say anything?
0: I got a couple things. So, Josh Allen is playing pretty damn good football right now. He is. He's blowing out some. I mean, it's not much to be king over, but he's blowing through some previous Bills records set by some pretty average Bills quarterbacks. And he's ascending to the top, at least as far as the franchise goes. Now, the Bills knew what they were getting with Josh Allen when they drafted him. He's the ultimate quarterback project. Where you have someone with some of the best arm talent we've seen in the football league. That, dude, that dude's got an arm. Like I'm talking about just as a prospect, right? But is... A terrible decision maker. Yeah. I think their goal from day one with Josh Allen was to hammer this shit out with him repeatedly. Build a good enough team around him during his early years where they can still win games off of it and slowly just hammer and hammer and hammer until they come out with a great quarterback. Now the problem is how long does that take? We're on Josh Allen year three. He's playing great. But he's still he's making those. Still there. Right.
2: Decisions.
0: He's still there. It's gone away a little bit, but it's not it's not gone yet. And this is gonna serve into a problem when it comes time to pay Josh Allen.
1: Here's <laughs> <But> how <laughs> much they are they
0: gonna <laughs> have to be able to iron out before they have to actually pay him real quarterback money and they don't they can't build an
2: incredible defense around him.
1: Yeah, they're running out of time for that. Right. And
2: especially so, like I'm not saying it's all about the Super Bowl, but it's all about the Super Bowl. If you have Josh Allen making these decisions in the playoffs against Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, you're lose. You're gonna
1: lose. Do you wanna know what Josh Allen is right now? What Josh Allen is right now is what Mahomes was in college. Like, if you guys never got to watch Mahomes in college at Texas Tech, this is what Mahomes looked like. Where he would do things that just absolutely blew your mind, and then he would do things that made you want to vomit. Like, I'll start with, I I tweeted the video, and I sent the video to you guys. Chris Long had the single best, like, analogy to sum up josh allen i've ever heard in my life which is josh allen is a roller coaster that they give you meth before you get on it <laughs> that that is the best it, it, there's no other way to explain it and then he goes on to talk about like that final drive against la where he's you know fighting dudes off like grabbing their face masks and shaking them like he's a aggressive peewee coach and then he has the, the deep bomb to, to Stefan Diggs. And, like, I'll, so, I'm not going to, uh, listen, they played the Jets, they played the Dolphins, who are a work in progress, you know, they played really, really well against the Rams, but then, you know, started turning the ball over, couldn't get a stop, Game got close, lost the lead. They did manage to get down the field, and even though the call was bad, you know, all of that being said, I watched a really good film breakdown, and if anybody listening to this, and if you two guys want to check it out on YouTube, I really like, and Matt's even talked about it too, I strongly suggest this guy, his name's Brett Coleman, and he does really, really good film breakdowns on YouTube. And it's really cool. He make he he makes it make sense, whatever. And he did a video on Josh Allen so far through three weeks. And the two things that he's talked that he talked about a lot are the two biggest issues that Allen had were his mechanics and his decision making. Those were the two big things he had wrong, right? Like, dude's got all the arm talent in the world, right? Probably the only guy in the NFL right now that could go throw for throw with Mahomes, right? Just from an arm talent perspective. Yeah. So, like, maybe Aaron, you know, Russ, whatever. But, like, Josh Allen is, like, a freak, right? Just as far as athleticism, whatever. So, Coleman, he starts talking about the change. Because, like, Josh Allen's deep ball accuracy last year was, like, awful, right? Like, in the 20s. He was so bad at it. Now he's like a top five deep ball thrower. So obviously the question becomes: okay, well, what happened? Right. It's not just Stephon Diggs, right? You can't, you can't just insert Stephon Diggs and make a guy that good. So literally it broke down to his mechanics and a lot of the stuff that people don't know when it comes to like throwing the football, Tom Brady's kind of like the poster child for this. Which is your lower body, like your your waist and your hips and your legs is where your power comes from. And then your arm is where your accuracy and your touch comes from, right? But if your lower body is not, you know, functioning properly, if you don't have good footwork, it can affect your accuracy because you start trying to do too much with your arm, right? That's why the plays that Mahomes makes are so spectacular because he's throwing the ball with his feet off the ground and he's running one way and throwing the other way and all that type of stuff. But anyway, so Josh Allen, I don't know if it's because he's so big or he just never worked on it, but he had a bad habit the first two years in the NFL where he wasn't fully rotating his like front leg and he was dragging his back foot. And it was causing him to sail passes because it, it's called uh, the terminology is called pulling the chain where it kind of looks like you're like your back shoulders being pulled backwards. Right. Because you're dragging your foot. So whether it was the Bills who did this for him or if it was Josh Allen himself, if you guys watch the video, he shows on these deep passes, Allen has developed this it almost kind of looks like a little bunny hop where his left foot will actually come up off the ground when he's getting ready to deliver the football. And then it'll kind of like spin outwards a little bit. Like he does like a little hop and it has drastically increased his accuracy because now he's getting that like full body rotation. So he's learning like he's, he's developing these, these things that, are helping him with his mechanics. And the other thing is just his his acumen, right? Like reading a defense and, you know, he's not great at it as we talked about. You know, he still makes mistakes, but there are spots where he's showing improvement. There was a play against the Jets where, you know, they're down in the red zone and Josh Allen walks up to the line of scrimmage and he sees that they're in cover three. So he walks up and he audibles to a play. So then the Jets shift as well and they audible into like a cover zero blitz, right? Josh Allen notices and checks again to a quick pass where he hits John Brown and nobody touches John Brown into the end zone. Like, as, as much as we think that that's not a big deal, that's just what quarterbacks are supposed to do, that's the stuff that Josh Allen wasn't good at, right? Yeah. So if he is getting good at that (laughs) and if he's getting good at the mechanical stuff to answer Corey's question in the question i think this is sustainable it just depends it just has to continue to go upwards right but i honestly think if he continues on this trajectory i think i think the the sky is the limit for him because he is as athletically gifted just from a physical standpoint of a player that we've seen probably since Cam Newton, right? When you just think about like big, strong, physical, runs fast, can jump over people, is a menace at the goal line, not afraid of pressure, like all of those type of things. If you combine that with an ability to at least like moderately read defenses, so to that to you can get into the right play. I I think the Bills, whether it's the Bills themselves or whether it's Josh Allen independently, his improvement this year has been insane. And I am really, <laughs> really interested with what's going to happen when he goes up against Mahomes a couple weeks from now. I just want to see it. I just want to see... What happens in that game? Because with the way the AFC is shaking out, that might be the only team that can stand a chance. Honestly. Like, because I don't think the Ravens mentally are there. I don't think the Steelers are good enough offensively. The Patriots aren't good enough defensively. Their defensive numbers are skewed because of who they've played. And plus, Russell Wilson just torched them. Anyway, so like Russell Wilson exposed how bad that defense actually is. But the Bills defense is good. Like, that's a good defense. It's solid. So if you combine that with Josh Allen, who's able to make these insane, crazy plays, on top of the fact that when he does make these horrible mistakes, he kind of has a defense that can bail him out, right? Like, if Mahomes has a play like that, the Chiefs defense, they have their moments... But they're still not, like, a great stout defense, you know? So, I know I talked, like, a lot. But that was, like, a topic that I was really, really, like, passionate about. With how people have been talking about Josh Allen. So. You're right. If he's if he's
0: able to, like, really progress. i was saying, like, about him being, like, the ultimate project. Just, like, if he is able to sustainably continue... To improve like this, he will become one of the better quarterbacks. He just has to keep yeah. going, though. Right. And fast enough where it's, they don't have to pay a shit boat, a fucking boatload of money. Yeah.
1: Right now, right now he's making me and Corey eat a whole lot of crow <laughs> because yeah. yeah, like me and Corey both thought that the Bills were drastically going to underachieve, but so far they're they're playing really good. So. Either of you got uh, anything else you want to add? Because I think we're I think we're pretty much done here. I think that's good. Um, we covered all the major headlines for the week.
0: We'll be back on Friday to run out our predictions for the weekend. Hopefully, our, all the, four, the four of us will be there. Injury report
1: will make its debut. I'm excited for that because I feel like you're going to do some weird shit with it.
0: Um, I'm I'm writing the script.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It'll Um, be fun. I will say, uh, hopefully all four of us are there for that episode on Friday. Um, But I wanted to ask, you know, since I wasn't here uh, for the earlier episode, like the Hot Takes episode, the Immediate Reactions episode on Sunday night. um, Uh If you guys are liking this new format, definitely let us know. Um, we're, We're Working it out. We're trying to get a schedule together. Corey's doing a really, really good job of keeping us on top of that and trying to figure out, you know, times and places where we can record uh, this episode. I mean, I feel like these episodes in midweek are probably going to be the longest because this is like the headline episode rather than like just reacting and then predicting games. Um, but yeah, how do are you two digging it? A little more. I love
0: I love it. I feel like we have more energy. Instead of doing a marathon, we're doing little, little sprinties. What do you think, Corey?
2: I like it. I think... Uh, I hope it's sustainable. But.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very similar to how we hope Josh Allen is sustainable, so... Right. Like that.
0: Cool. Please make sure you follow us at twitter.com slash Make sure you get in your...
2: Fat part, hot takes. Quick question. Yes. Do we have a YouTube? No. We're (laughs) about to. Okay, because we got a question from a fan earlier asking if we were uploading episodes to YouTube. I know we had some video ones that we did. Very, very soon.
0: Okay. Like, within the week. Okay. I'm going to have some time... um, some weird, like, real in-person shit. I'm, I've been having to compromise my time with my computer with my singular because uh, her laptop broke and she works from home. So I haven't had uh, the time on my PC that I would like, but this weekend I will have some free time and we're going to get some shit done. Okay. So expect expect the YouTube channel to go live this weekend, hopefully ahead of
2: the games. Please give us money on Patreon.
0: Yeah, patreoncom F E D P O D You can sign up for some tiers. Get some bonus content. Become Corey's friend. That tier is still there. Hell yeah! (laughs) He has the elect him to a to a a conversation with you. Play among us.
1: There you go. Oh, that's a good one. Play (laughs) among us with Corey. That's a good. That's a good tier there. If you
0: want to make a play among us with the Fat Blood Boys
1: tier, I will make it. Oh God, no! (laughs) We don't need our fans. I say fans. We don't need our people that are listening to us knowing how we play among us god. <laughs> stabbing stabbing our, our stabbing our Patreons in the back in a virtual game.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's great. <laughs> Alright, bye I'll guys. See you. Bye. I love you. Oh wow. You you spun that oh, wait no, no, that's not a spin around. I'm supposed to say I don't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, well then I don't.